Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. I am Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke with Tim McCoy. Um, uh, this month, October 2019, marks 20 an- 20 year anniversary of the Elvis Room closing in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was a venue. It was only open for a few years, but uh, it was a live music venue and pretty much all the local music uh, acts and a lot of national touring acts came through there, so there's a lot of uh, shows happening this month. Uh, a lot of bands from the Seacoast area are reuniting, or you know, if they haven't broken up, they're, they're just playing shows again. And uh, Tim's old band, Heavens to Murgatroyd, playing a couple shows with Fly Spinach Fly at 3S Art Space at the end of the month. And um, this was basically just an excuse for me to hang out with Tim again. Uh, you know, I, I taken bass lessons from Tim, and it's always good to see him. And he's, you know, um, just a wealth of knowledge and enthusiasm about music in general. So, um, yeah, I was very, very glad to be able to finally sit down and talk to Tim for the podcast and uh, really enjoyed it. So, hopefully, uh, you will enjoy it as well. Uh, thanks for listening. It's funny, that's the that's the the thing with this, especially people that I have some sort of like familiarity with or whatnot get talking. When I started doing it, I wouldn't even tell people it would just as soon as we sit down I hit record, which and I'm not trying to like get anyone like right. you know, gotcha or whatever, but it's just like it, it it's more of like a natural conversation. But then I there was a couple times early on where someone's like Wait, did you start recording already? And it, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any problem or anything. I was like, yeah, they're like, oh, okay. But then I had one this year where I actually had told my friend that I was recording, but it didn't register with her, and and she was very, very free with her words about some stuff. And I didn't think it was that big a deal, but she's like, wait, you're recording already? And I was like, yeah. She's like, can, can we pause it for a second? I was like, absolutely, pause it. She's like, can we start over? I was like, yeah, but. So now I just like I like to let people know we are recording. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. Right. Well, I don't. Uh, you know, it, it's nice to let people know, but you know, sure. we're going to have a, if we're going to just have a conversation, hang out, then right. it doesn't matter if it's on or not, right? Right. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, it's funny. We were just talking before recording about, like, you know, the photograph that I found of uh, of of you from twenty five years ago, and it's just it's crazy to me because. I still remember like that concert in particular, but you know, so so much from that time. Yeah, seems like I was like two, three years ago. Not yeah, I know. It's It's, uh, it's half a lifetime ago, and uh, I feel you know, we're doing these reunion shows coming up, and um, the it's always a little, there's always a little, not a little. There's a lot of emotion involved with it because when you with Heaven's to Murgatroyd, not only was it my first band yep. that I was ever in, but it was uh, it was a scenario in life where like we were all in. We yep. were like going for. We bought a bus and refurbished the bus, booked, played fifteen hundred shows, and were just relentless. We yep. didn't. I don't think we ever turned down a gig. You know, we played. We were playing four or five nights a week at one point for long stretches of time, and yep. uh, really just there was a lot of shows, a lot of time together. Uh, there were a lot of lineup changes through the whole thing, but you know, through it all, Rick and I were together on all of that stuff, yep. kind of as partners. And we had a, there was a bunch of moving parts and pieces around us. But uh, when you when you do these reunion shows, it there is a lot of emotion involved because it's you know it was a time and place. It was an important time in your life. We we did. It reminds me about how much work we did. You know, we lugged a you know, this ridiculously, stupidly huge PA around with us in the right. back of the bus and set it up for every show. And, like, the work involved to me now, like, thinking, like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pain in the ass to drag your bass amp anywhere to, right. to play, never mind doing all this stuff, you know. And, and uh, so uh, doing the reunion shows, you know, it, it brings you back to all this stuff, but it also 
I have an awesome appreciation for what went into it and yeah. what we did together. And these song, a lot of these songs come back like riding a bike. Like I, like I told the guys, we, we, we rehearsed for the first time the other night, and uh, I intentionally didn't listen to anything. Not only did I not practice anything, but I didn't, I didn't even listen to it. Right. So I wanted to see like muscle memory, muscle what, memory what, what, what was back. there, yeah. you know? And uh, the first five or six songs we blew through, and it was just like like riding a bike. Yeah. And then it was, uh, you know, then we get into a few that were like, oh yeah, forgot forgot all about that one. Right. You know. Right. But uh, it was, you know, there's some magic to it. There's obviously there was a it was good chemistry to it, and there was uh, there's magic to it that that's not you can't just make that shit up. You right. Know? Right. It was uh, so. It's been fun. It's 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 fun to kind of. You know, I don't think it's, it's not, I don't, we don't look at it as reliving any glory days or anything else. We also just look at it as good opportunity to get together. You know, um, it's a good cause and good reason to get together that kind of came about because, uh, you know, I guess it's okay to talk about the the Elvis room stuff. So, you know, we, Don Marie, who, you know, was one of the owners of the Elvis room and, was interested in putting these this 20-year anniversary of the closing of the Elvis Room. Right. She wanted to do these shows. She had reached out to me about helping organize shows and what do you think about this and that. And she was coming up and... and Because she was down in Florida at that she, point, was, right? she was living in Florida, yeah. And Dawn Marie, if you knew her, you know, she was a little flighty. She yeah. was a little bit, you know, her spirit... First and foremost, the reason the Elvis Room happened was because of Don Marie and Barb, and, right. and and not only what they provided to like everybody, it didn't matter what what walk of life you were from, but you, you know they created this space that was just this amazing melting pot of whoever wanted to show up, and they were all open arms all the time, and that was their yep. thing. Don Marie, you know, could be a little flighty as far as and not it's not a not a negative thing to say about her, just the way she was. So when she started talking about these shows a couple of years back, you thought like, she's down in Florida, she wants to do these, but right. will they come to fruition? That kind of thing. And sure. you know, I'm coming up next week, and you know, I want to get together and talk about it. Then she, you know, whatever it was. So yeah, conversations were happening, and they were escalating to like starting to talk about dates and everything, and talked via. Uh, talked via email the week before yeah. and then all of a sudden you find out she's in the hospital yeah. and doesn't make it, you know? So, and then I think, you know, unfortunately a lot of it has to do because of that. I think people, everybody was on board to, right. to come together and sure. do this, you know? Sure. And un- unfortunately the, 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 the terrible irony of it is, is because of this happening, I think everybody was much more like, hey, let's get we together. Yeah. Right. And uh, everybody cleared the slate and, is, you know, all the all the bands that are involved in doing it, it it's a pretty incredible little run of, of local shows, you yeah. know. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, gives us a chance to uh, kind of be involved and, uh, you know, our awesome music community around here, it's a big, it's a big part of what we've always done, yeah. come together and do do whatever it is you know yeah so yeah it was uh i was just amazed that not surprised but still pretty amazed how quickly the, that first 3s show just sold out uh, yeah yeah and because I, I couldn't even get tickets luckily uh uh, a friend of mine, uh, she had a couple tickets, and she's like, she was looking for someone to go with her, anyways. She's like, be free that night. I was like, absolutely, let's nice. go. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, we uh. When we originally talked about the show, so the shows, our shows in particular got a little bit screwed up because they, <laughs> I say screwed up, they didn't get screwed up, they sold, both of them sold out. And right. It's not like, a, you know, it, but they, what happened was originally John McCormick, Fly, Spins, Fly, my bandmate, and several things along the right. way, um, he had talked to, Tristan at 3S about doing a Fly Spinners Fly show. And then it kind of became something else because he started having conversations with his old bandmates and they were never going to get back together. Right. Was, this is something that wasn't going to happen. You sure. Know? 
So 26 years later, 20, whatever it is, years later, they're doing, they're doing these shows as one-offs. They're all over the, the country, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're traveling in from everywhere. Um, but then it turned into, you know, us teaming up on them, the show, a show. Mm-hmm. And when we talked about it and we're going through and setting it up and everything, when the tickets went, when the show went live and announced, ticket sales were fast and furious. Right. And then when it became clear it was going to sell out in forty eight hours, like yeah. it was, the tickets were, you know, I, uh, you know, looked at the possibilities of adding a show, and something already booked at three s for Saturday night, so we did the Thursday night show, and that one sold out right away. So yeah. I think the, I think it's a no brainer double bill as far as like two bands that were friends back in the day, sure. played a bunch of shows together, and it made it a real no brainer for a yeah. lot of people, you know. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, because you and John play in Wheel of Awesome. And, yeah, um, you, we did Gay Bride of Frank. And so, well, we've done that's still ongoing. The yeah. Monster Makers and uh, we were in, I was in Starch with him right. together. Uh, he played on my solo record, the first one I did. Um, yeah, so we've been kind of yeah. entangled in in music around here for the last twenty five years. You know, yeah. we're 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 great friends and been you know bounce ideas off each other and all that stuff yeah. all along the way. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of the things going on this year, you know. Right. So, yeah, for sure. It's awesome. As we were coming upstairs. I saw the you know the case at the foot. Of, we're we're here at the, the new home of Rutland Studios. And that's right. And uh, so the case with you know I saw his uh you know his paint box uh, album that he put out last year or, yep. or early this year. I don't remember when the physical thing. Yep, came it was out. late last year yep. and. Uh, yeah, did the stage show along with it. it was great. Yeah, great, great, great record, great idea. But I also saw a uh, there's a there's a Murgatroyd seven inch there. Yeah, uh, what what is that? Is that stuff from back in the day? Is yeah, it? that's back in the day. We'll have them for sale to yeah. show their the pink vinyl single that we put out. Jokes on you uh, was out. Jeez, that was uh, I don't know what year. I have to look at the sleeve. Probably right. ninety six or so. Yeah, but I have a few. Uh, I have a few kicking around at home and. Uh, We'll we'll have that. That's that's an old old nugget. But the good the cool thing is is when it came out, vinyl was kind of on a slide. Right. It was still sort of a novelty. Right. At that point. But now with vinyl being back in such a big way that people, you know, I know a lot of people are playing vinyl that probably weren't for a while. You know. Right. So it's back in a in a big way. So we'll probably get that back on the shelves. Why not? Right. Yeah. It's sitting around. So in a. We just put the whole the whole catalog is on uh, is uh, worldwide online now yeah. through Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music and everything else and uh, the we just did a run of merchandise so we're gonna have kind of full bore for these shows coming up nice which is good you know so yeah and in the in the cases this Watts stuff uh, we've got a new Watts record coming out yeah 2020 that's happening. Working on a solo record, um, which I hope to have out next year too. So, a lot of music, a lot yeah. of music going on, and uh, just keep it rolling, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, you're one of those guys that's, uh, you know, a music lifer. It's uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I see you, you know, so I follow you on social media, and uh, you know, know you in real life a little bit too, and uh, just you're playing with it seems like you're someone who will just play with whoever if there's time in the day and you know there's 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 passion from the other people to do music that you're just gonna get to, like what 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 keeps you going with that year after year it's uh it's it's a good question the because because there's a lot it's it's i wouldn't say it's a love hate thing but there is a lot of times you know like what if, you know why why or what are we doing here you know right i think um I'm for, um, I've been fortunate to play with. Uh, my thought on it is always that I'm. I'm playing with people sometimes that are out of my league. That are better. They're just guys that are, been there and done that. Right. Some on a much bigger stage, and I'm. You know, really grateful for for opportunities to come up. I, I think I put, I put the work in along the way, and, and my friends know that. And they know that you know, 
that if we do a show together or whatever, it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be as close to hundred percent as we can. Sure, make it, you know. Sure. Um, we did this clash thing, and we did a uh, the the. 40 year anniversary of uh, London Calling. We did we did it in its entirety back in March at 3S, and, uh, and it was just an incredible. It was an incredible show, and with guys in my life that I think are heavy hitters. You know, yeah. Dave Steele on guitar, who's been a rock and roll hero of mine for for since I was you know in college. You right. know, and and the guy is. He's been 19 years in the Blue Man Group in New York, down in New York City, and he's traveled the world for them and done things that, you know, that that I haven't done. And, yeah. I, and I've always looked up to him, and he's he's even a better guy than a rock and roll hero. Sure, you know, he's, sure. He's one of my uh, favorite people anywhere. And so I had reached out to him about this Clash thing because I know he's a big Clash guy, and uh, he lives down in New York, and I thought, nah, it's not going to happen. It's a long right. shot, but I got to, I got to make him make it known that he's invited, you know. Sure. And timing-wise, he was available, yep. you know, and he made himself available, and it was a huge, it was a pretty huge commitment. I mean, learning that record wasn't easy. Right. It was a lot of things, nineteen songs, yeah, and it's, it's a double album. It's all over the place, you yep. know, and uh, and we did a set of Clash hits behind it, so it was like learning, like Dave, you want to come up to New Hampshire and learn 30 Clash songs and right. he has been playing for a while right. and, but uh, it was funny he didn't respond to me for a couple of days I sent him a text and I thought like oh, he's just busy I, you know I didn't know if he was sure. he could have been in Vegas for Blue Man or, or overseas or wherever I didn't right. know and uh, he got back to me and said you know I uh, I took a couple of days to respond because I wanted to to listen to the stuff and knock the rust off a little bit and right. I can do this yeah. you know like uh, not just I can play this stuff but I can I can make time in my schedule right, right now in my life sure. to make this happen you yeah. know and then uh, Dan and uh, Dan Kopko who's my bandmate in Watts Danny and I uh, we've done this clash thing before we've mm-hmm. done a handful of handful of shows along the way it, it's funny backtracking a little bit with Dan when before I joined Watts, mm-hmm. so let me yeah let me backtrack a little bit. So before I joined Watts, I was it was Tim McCoy and the Paper Cuts doing a lot of shows with Watts. Okay. So we did a lot of double bills. We had them up on shows. They had us down in Boston. We were, built up a good friendship. Right. I had only known um, our guitar player, our other guitar player, John Blout, and I had met John through going to see Fig shows through the years. Like we mm. became like. I was always like, who the hell is this rock star over here? You know, we, you know, we became friends through that, through mutual acquaintances and uh, friends and seeing them at shows, that kind of thing. And so we started doing shows together. And then um, when their bass player decided to step down, a guy that they played with for a long time in metal bands and stuff before, before mm-hmm. Watts, um, Dan reached out to me about joining the band. Yeah. But but before that, actually, we were playing a show at Fury's in Dover, and uh, Tim McCoy, the paper cuts at Watts, we had done a set or whatever, and Dan asked me after the set, he goes, you want to do a, uh, you you want to do a Clash night with me? Yeah. And uh, not even asked me if I liked the Clash or whatever, but sure. it was pretty clear, I think. Sure, that, you know, what my, sure. My, one of my major influences is Paul Simmons. He's one of, one of my one of my rock heroes. Yeah. And, uh, so we did a class show. We did a couple of them with different lineups, and then um, and then we started talking about the London Calling thing. We that's when I reached out to Dave, and then Dave could do it. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna reach out to my friend Jamie Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie and I played in you know Starch together, right. and he was in, he was the original drummer in Gate Rider Frankenstein. And just right. if you know anything about Jamie, he's just a killer. Just just an absolutely incredible drummer. Yeah. Also a great guy. Also a great hang. Yep. Like all the all the things that you want, and uh, also a guy that you know is going to do his homework and right. show up ready to rock. You know. But also a guy who could be uh, on the other side of the world. That's exactly yep. right. So you know, I was on a roll with Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like Dave Go can for do broke. it. Why not? I'm like why don't I ask James too? And uh, and very luckily for us, the same type of thing. He had a hole in his schedule. He's re- he was recording the new Pretty Reckless record, but right. it's not out. They're not out touring yet, so right. he's home. He, he actually, 
in the middle of recording the Pretty Reckless record, he was he did this project. He came to, actually came down to a practice and was coming in from a studio session, laying drums down, that kind of thing. So it was really, really fortuitous timing doing sure. this. So all of a sudden, I have you know Dan and I, and then Dave Steele and Jamie Perkins as the as the main core four piece, and feeling like that's just a dream team type sure. of thing for me personally. And then uh, and then we figured in conversation do we want to do this as the garage rock and roll straight ahead clash right. setup, or do we want to flesh it out like like london calling is and have keys and horns right that kind of thing so we we did that duncan watt on keys who's you know long time local yeah. guy it's also a lifer oh yeah in many different projects and you know he's one of the, the most uh, one of the most musical people i know he's the he, he's the producer on all three of my podcasts, so yeah, I, no, yeah, there you I, go. I know Duncan very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be at his house tomorrow recording I'll, another podcast. I so. love him. Yeah, I love Duncan. And then, uh, and then we put a horn section together, and it was yeah. it was one of those things where I started reaching out to people. And if you know anything about really good horn players in the area, most of them are just booked all the time. Sure, like they're just like booked out. Yeah, I reached out to you know. All the main guys, all the soggy bow boy guys, and right. all the offshoots of that, and everything, and everybody's booked. And then, luckily, got a couple referrals for people like, "Hey, you should reach out to yeah, yeah. this guy, this guy." And again, we're lucky to get uh, the guys we did. Um, you know, uh, Dan, Dan from um, uh, the Peanuts. Don Davis, who I never met before, and he ended up being a great saxophone player, yep. came in and killed it for us. And he's a well-known, you know, he's a well-known entity in his circles, you yep. know. And then trumpet-wise, we're thinking like, who? It, so we actually got a trumpet player from Dover High School. It's that was a baseball player that, oh, nice. growing up, a friend of my son's, and I know him as a really great trumpet player. Yeah, like he's a really he's a kid that pursues it and yep. does it. And uh, he came in and killed it. 16 nice. years old, all of a sudden he's doing a packed house at 3S playing class songs, you That's know. That's fantastic. So it was, really, it was really great. It was a fun project. I went off on a tangent there, but it was no, uh, no, no. It's, the class thing is. Uh, this podcast is built on tangents. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the class thing was uh, a real labor of love for all of us. And we came away feeling like, you know. It was a job well done. It sure. was well delivered and the whole thing, and, and uh, it was great. And we we just ended up doing just a four-piece uh, for the uh, Portsmouth Halloween Parade show the other night. Right on. Which was great. Um, so, you know, I guess full circle, getting back to the, the original thought, was like, incredibly grateful to to play with all these guys that are just blow me away, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of the world that I've lived in the last, you know, last three decades is like all of a sudden you kind of it's not really calling in favors but it's calling it's saying hey we're gonna think about doing this what do you think right and the, the solo record that i'm doing it's not a, it's you know there'll be my songs but there's going to be a lot of different players doing different things sure. on it, you know i don't want to get you know it's not going to be like 30 players on it but there's definitely a, a handful of people that um i've talked to about laying some stuff down yeah. you know so uh, that collaboration, I love it. Yeah, it's kind of means a lot to me. Yeah, you know? um, it was interesting that actually the last guy that I talked to is kind of Nate Newton. He's the bass player from Converge. I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with them or not, but uh, yeah, you know, I was talking to him about songwriting because he's in that band, but he's in three other bands as well. Yes, you know, he's he's a songwriter in each of the bands, but he's not the only songwriter. So I was like, you know, what's that like? And he's like, well, you know. Sometimes we come in with a finished song, but more often than not, you know, you get a riff, whatever, and you bash it out, and the guy across the room throws his two cents on top of it, and then suddenly he hears something in what you did that you never heard, but it may, it elevates it, and the collaboration just makes it, you know, that much better. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, you know, uh, one of the guys that is going to play on the new record, well, I hope so, and we've already talked about it, he's in, it's just a matter of, Again, you don't know until you start writing these songs what's what's happening here. You sure, know? I'm not sitting on I'm sitting on a ton of ideas. There's a few songs kicking around, but I really want to what, what I'm going to do for this project after Halloween, after this run of stuff that's happening. Right. Schedule gets a little bit lighter in November, December, and I'm going to start. The plan is to do a song a week yep. and see it through. Because what happens with me is I get too scattered with <clears throat> come up with an idea. 
and there's right. there's 300 voice memos on my phone sure. that are all song snippets. Right. It's doing a song a week and seeing it through to completion. Sure. Completion might be 75. percent I might need a bridge. I might need. I need might. I always have to flesh out the the lyrics and stuff. Right. But really, to see it through to like it's all structurally there. Right. A lot of the lyrics are there. And that is this week, and then the next week, and after ten weeks, have a ten song uh, record ready to be recorded. Right that's on. the that's the idea going into it. Sure. Um, and I talked to uh, talking about friends that do stuff like Jay Fortin, uh, guitar player extraordinaire, you know, longtime friend in the area that does. Obviously, his big thing is Scissor Fight, right? And uh, but. He's in the Blue Man Group and his leather products and his photography and everything he touches is gold. You know, yep. that type, that's the way I look at it. Uh, he's, you know, I talked to him about this record might be acoustic songs. It might be country-based. Right. They might be heavy riff rock. Right. And are you up for whatever it might be? And, yeah. You know, the thing about Jay that a lot of people don't know is he's he's... He loves playing lap steel. Right. And he's a right. great acoustic player and all this stuff. So stuff that doesn't really come across most of the time because yeah. most of the stuff you hear from him is, you know. The, the ballsy ripper. Right. Yeah, yeah. Smash you over your head. You sure. Know, stuff, which is also his forte, you right. know. But he does a lot. He does a lot more than just that, you yeah. know. So uh, Jay's, Jay's one of the people on my that's been on my wish list for this podcast yeah. for, for for three years no, now. He's, yeah. He's he's great. And yeah. he'll be he'll be a ridiculous podcast for sure. Yeah, you know? For sure. You never you never know what's coming next. Well it's one of those things that we have enough like because I know him but very, very little just, just yeah. to say hello to him. But like we have so many friends in common that I'm like yeah. if I get enough of the friends on the podcast, oh, yeah. I'll be like, Hey, you wanna do this now? He'll so, be in. Yeah. He'll yeah. be in absolutely. They got a new record coming out. Yeah, yeah. that's coming out in December. There's just always stuff, you know. Talking about lifers. Yeah, this guy's. You know, they took a hiatus for a while, but only because of personnel sure. change. You know, yeah. things. You know, they they would have been playing all the way through. They and Jay and Paul did play all the way through with different right. things. You right. Know? But uh, yeah, Rich just another just for a while. other people in the area, other people that happen to live. You know, like I say. It's a saying, you know, all music is local music somewhere. Sure. You know, it's not, it, when you say local, sometimes it cheapens it somehow, you know, right. where it just happens to be that these awesome bands are from your backyard, you know, right. happen to be headquartered here. So, um, it's, you know, I guess that's a lot of what fuels what I do is, yeah. is the fact that it's always somebody asking about doing a project or always somebody doing something and, and I love that network, you know. Yeah. It's certainly not about the money. Right. It's not about it's not about the bottom line in any way for any of us. Never yeah. has been. There's no money in yeah. there's no money in original rock and roll. Even if you're you know even if you're uh make it to the next level, whatever level that is, it's I know guys on certain many different levels that are doing it and everybody's scraping by and figuring out how to pay the bills you know right. yeah. it's not about that yeah you know I've got a yeah so there's always something you know I always say well the schedule's a little light coming up or whatever and then it's never light right it's never light it's right. never there's always something that's like hey let's do this or what do you think about this and you know um, the wheel of awesome you mentioned that we did we started that as a it was an idea that John had. Yeah. He built the wheel in his basement. Like, let's do this. I've never been in a cover band and never want, never wanted to be and never want to be still. Sure. But, like, the Clash thing was a tribute to something that I really loved. You sure. know, it still is. The wheel is something that is, we set the categories up and it's kind of a tribute to different things that we dig, you know. Right. And it could be everything from punk rock to soul train you know yeah. but it's stuff that we love so it's it's kind of game showy and kind of fun and different that way right but we set it up and like told john right off the bat like if we're going to do this this is going to be the side hustle this right. is going to be where we make money i'm not we're not doing this project for just for the fun of it like or right. it's not for original creativity or whatever it's to learn it be 
have it be really good, but have it be something that is is the side hustle. Sure. And that's fine. Yeah. The general business stuff is, you know, when somebody else is paying for it, a corporation or whatever, then I don't have a problem asking for money, you know? Sure. Oh, absolutely. You know? So so for someone who's not familiar with how a Wheel of Awesome show goes, how does that work? Sure. So Wheel of Awesome is, like I said, John created this, uh, he had this idea he made the wheel in his basement and then got us involved with it. Yeah, it's, it's a physical a, wheel. It's a physical wheel, yep. Yeah. So it's like a it's a spinning wheel, like a like a game show type of thing, very game showy. And on the wheel there's fourteen categories and all, and those categories can range from well, actual, actual categories are classic rock, punk rock, soul train, which is all your um, dance favorites, you mm-hmm. know, disco y funk stuff. Yeah. Prince, David Bowie, Americana, uh, Shots and Beer, which is a drinking category. It's just one original song everybody drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> band Choice, Girl Power. There's nine of them. What am I missing? Uh, I can't remember. But on each, in each of those categories, we're sort of you know half a dozen deep on each of them. So sure. if it comes up with David Bowie, well, we have a we have a little uh, stable of songs, Bowie songs that we know, yeah. and we'll rotate them through. Yeah. Oh, Beatles is another one. Stones, yeah. you know, so there's 11 of them getting yeah. there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Stones were like 10 deep on, you know, yeah. so we can, we rotate. So wherever it lands is what we do next. So for somebody coming out to a show, if you don't happen to like a song, just wait a, wait five minutes. So right. we'll play you a, and we, if we land on Stones, we might do five in a row because right. we're in that mode and we can tell people we're digging it. So we can go off on little tangents that way. So it's doing covers, but it's doing more like a tribute to, to cool things that we like. Right. So yeah. for me, <laughs> for me, not liking the cover circuit, and it's no, you know, I, I have many friends that do that as a living. Sure. So I completely, they can do something that I can't do. Yeah. I can't do it, you know. And, yeah. um, and I have... A, a few friends that are incredible. Tim Terrio is probably the best at it. Yeah. Around. He plays 25 nights a month, you know, like I can't, you know, he does something that most of us can't do. Right. You know, so it's no, it's, it's certainly no slight to that, but I, to any of that, but it's not, it's something that's just not what I want to do. But this, sure. you know, this allows, this allows you to do these things and have some fun with it. Yeah. A different, with a, with a different slant on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and some might say, at the end of the day, it's just a cover band. Right. So, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, uh, it's, you know, like we said, it's a, it, it's a side hustle, and uh, we have more fun with it than, than, than I think we would if it was just a straight-up cover sure. band or something. Sure. Well, and I think the interactive element certainly elevates it to something unique as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, people feel like they're part of it. You know, people want to come up and spin it. And yeah. A lot of people can't keep their hands off of it. You know, it's a lot of people that are, you know, the people that are just, it's all <laughs> about them or whatever. And right. they have to come in and do whatever. But it does give that element of a whole, just a different vibe, different thing. Sure. It's a party waiting to happen, you know. Yeah. So so that's been, uh, that's been the project that John and I, along with um, drummer extraordinaire Rick Habib, you know, who plays in... 77 bands around he plays right. he's like talking about a guy that's playing all the time you know Dreadnought and uh, The Wheel he does that Steely Dan thing he right. plays the Portsmouth Music Hall series that they've been doing for like 15 years now at this point like yeah. they're the house band for all that you know writers the, the writers series they do Yeah. so he's just an incredibly busy drummer um, Chris Sink on keys or Duncan Watt they split duty right you know um, Chris is kind of the main keyboard guy but Duncan does a lot of shows with us as well so yeah and Duncan's sort of like uh, has is sort of like an auxiliary key player for a lot of people absolutely so, yeah. Yeah. and Duncan very clearly you know and he's and I'm, I'm actually circling back to the solo record I'm doing my solo record with Duncan right on so Duncan's a guy that I um, thoroughly appreciate and respect in this area that I, I just think he He's got a lot of value add for any projects. And he's a guy that can say, you know, you're going to dig deeper on this. This right. is bullshit. You're right. glossing over what you're really talking sure. about. Or I love this or I hate this. Right. And you feel the same way. Like, yeah. uh, and 
And those kind of relationships and those kind of people in your life are, I think, are very rare. Absolutely. Where you don't get defensive, you don't feel like you're, you have to put the walls up or whatever. Like, Dunk will just tell me straight up. Right. And he's got the cachet behind him. Like, he's... Well, you know he knows what he's talking about when he's saying it. And he's not saying it from any place of malice. It's because he knows this is important to you, he's... He's being honest with absolutely, yeah. Yeah. and he's dialed in. You know the other the other factor with Dunk is I, I know very clearly that he's dialed into. He knows what I'm going after, yeah. and he knows what I love, and he knows the way I operate. So he takes all those factors and and on the other side of it can sit across the aisle and say, "Let's do this. Let's do this. Keep going. Right? Don't." He's told me very clearly. I've sent him a few, you know, song ideas. Like going, he's like, "You're gonna send me everything. Yeah. You're not holding back. You're not. You're." Simple. It's like I don't want to make a, I don't want to put sad songs on this record. He's like, "You don't." You, you know, basically, he told me like, "You don't have to say in that. You're gonna send right. me everything." Right. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. You can't. If you truly want to put it out there, and you truly want to be as 100 percent honest as possible with what you're doing. Right. Throw it out there. Yeah. Don't don't filter it yourself. You know. So I'm. Uh, and, it, and he's got an infectious enthusiasm about the stuff, and he knows that I don't like to waste time in the studio. I hate. Sure. I hate the long process of studio sitting behind a board for hours. Like I want to go in and lay this stuff down, and leave it with him. Right. To do his magic on mix it. Right. Tell me what else he thinks it needs. That kind of thing. So. Um. Yeah. So don't and and Duncan could be our keyboard player 100 percent of the time, but it was very clear early on. Like Chris is our keyboard player, and Duncan fills in when he can. We thought we should have a stable. You know, Andrew Blowen has sat in on a session. Chris mm-hmm. Decato has sat in on a session with yeah. keys. And we thought we should have a stable of players because if somebody's busy and Chris Sink plays in a bunch of different acts too, he's always busy. Duncan's always busy, but. Between the two of them, mostly we get them covered. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, the thing is with the wheel, it could be, it could be a franchise type of thing where you have different people doing it. Sure. Like, this is the way it works, but right. you can set it up that way. Yeah. Um, but it's like the Blue Man Group. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. So, yeah, that's the that's the that's the kind of the wheel of awesome in the nutshell. And again, tangents. Yeah. That's hey. That's what. Well, that's how this podcast actually started because it was just, you know, I was constantly having these types of conversations. You know, I, I, I got, you know, 500 friends who are musicians and we just, you know, I, I'm barely a musician myself, but, I, I, you know. You get it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I played in bands and whatnot, but it's just been something that, like, sit down and talk about it for a while. So I was just like, why don't I just start recording some of these conversations? Yeah, absolutely. Well, inevitably, absolutely. I'd, I'd end up telling someone else I was like oh the other day I was talking to so and so and then recount a story and then over and over again people were like you know some interesting people like and I was like well there's certainly people in my life who are maybe never going to meet so and so but like put a little recorder down and at least share a little snapshot of, absolutely you know, you know absolutely I think it's great and I think uh, you know from my perspective like if if people are listening you're going to make it <laughs> Have something to say, or sure. just bore with tears. You sure. know? So hopefully, sure. know, somebody finds it interesting. You know. Yeah, and it's. I mean, when I started, it was it was almost all musicians, but it was just like my goal originally was just all right. I want to talk to creative people. You know, being a creative person myself, where visual arts is more my strong suit. Yeah. But it's funny because music's still a bigger passion. Like, if I could, if I could be twenty five percent better at music, but couldn't draw at all, I would. I would change it in a heartbeat but you know you don't get to choose what what your strengths are a lot of times so. right but right. then it just kind of went from there and started talking to other people and you know now i'm just like yeah if you got something interesting to, to say uh i'd love to talk to you absolutely so, you know well i think you know i <clears throat> also with we were talking earlier about the elvis from shows a retrospective and how everybody's come together on all this stuff. And, you know, I went out to see the queers were in town the other night and yep. saw, I went to that show and it, was, it, it ended up being a sold out show for the Elvis from shows. They were in town and they've been, forever been 
you know, they'll open the show and hey, we're the queers from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, you know. Right. So here they are back in Portsmouth the first time in a long time. Yeah. Great crowd, great show. They were they were they were killer. I'm thinking like, talk about lifers. Sure. I mean Joe's been Joe's been doing the queers for thirty something years. Most of his you know, most of his adult life, all of his adult life, right. you know, and still out there hammering away and still road warriors, you know, complete road dogs, you know, mm-hmm. and I think when, as we get older here, and obviously we're all getting up there, the the importance of still being able to do it yeah. and still be able to do whatever we do while we can do it sure. is also a pretty big part of this, you know. A lot of people, a, every day it seems I'm reading about somebody passing away, another musician friend that just this happened this happened out of the blue whatever um one that hit hard this week was kim shattuck from the muffs who yeah long time favorite band of mine and i love her like she's one of my favorite next to chrissy hine yeah. probably my two favorite ladies of all time in rock and roll yeah. you know and i didn't know she was sick yeah and she died at 56 from als i had no idea she had als yeah and, you know and all of a sudden i'm finding out because she's always one of those people you know, friends on social media and you keep track of what she's doing. She's always po- posting something positive. It's always shot with her and the Pandora's, the Muffs or the, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I had no idea, yeah. you know, and Dawn Marie, all of a sudden here today, gone tomorrow. One of your favorites, Caleb Schofield, right? Yeah. You know, like these things happen and they're gone. And they, and I think when they happen, it, it might be, it might be in your circle, or it might be just a circle that you are a big fan of or love right. or whatever. And all of a sudden, it's done. Yeah, Tom Petty yeah. gone a, a few years ago. Prince, you know these guys that are not in your circle at all, but guys that you love along the way that they're gone pretty young. Yeah, you know guys you didn't sure. expect to go. Yeah, so you're able to, you know, we're able to do this stuff still, yeah. and 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 with people that. You admire, respect, and love, and you want to keep it rolling, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> it's it was it, the last couple of years, especially where you know, because I've had conversation with people about you know people passing, and you know, you you mentioned Prince and you know Bowie and those guys, and obviously those are people I never met, but you know, I, I definitely f- had a, an impact on my. Yep. formation of my DNA and a lot of other people but um, part of the fabric of your life yeah I absolutely mean, in a huge way but I also like <clears throat> social media is a weird thing now because there almost seems to be this like cult of grief around a lot of it oh, and, yeah. and you know it is it, it was very sad you know Prince hit me really hard you know I, you know, huge. T- talking to John McCormick because I know that's you know Prince is his like number one guy yep. and, but I looked at it, I, I try and look at it the other way, and I was like, well, you know, when, when Bowie died, I was like, as sad as it was, he went out on his own terms. He did it exactly the way he wanted, and I was like... Incredible. Rather than being upset about it, I just look at it, I was like, I got to walk the same earth as David Bowie for the first 41 years of my life. That's fucking amazing. Yep. You know? Absolutely. So, you know, trying to do the look at the positive, but also... Well, look at what Bowie did to it. Like you said, you mentioned like the, the end of his life and what he created. Yeah. The artistic, the artistry of how he went out yeah. is just like the rest of his life, right? Yeah. Like the guy did it his way the whole time, the whole way, yeah. and left this just awe-inspiring catalog of yeah. of work. You yeah. know, Prince. Tom Petty, those guys were here today, gone tomorrow, right. type of thing. Like you just didn't expect it, you know. And, sure. And, and it wasn't a sickness thing. And, and Prince was the same way. John's a, you know, I'm a huge Prince fan, but mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you mentioned John, like Prince was the number one guy. I, yeah, that one hit hard. Petty hit harder for me because he was more of that. You know, I, I've I saw both Prince and Petty many times. Yeah. Petty was more early on, you know, one of my early rock and roll heroes, yeah. you know, like guy that when I was little was 
already out there banging it out, you yeah. know? And I read his book and read, you know, I uh, went to see um, Warren Zane's talk at Book and Bar when he came through with a Petty Book Tour and yeah. all that stuff and just way into it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you expect guys like Dylan or Neil Young or guys that are like a little older, right. you know, The Who and all these guys that they're, all of our rock and roll heroes are, are you know, pushing or in their 70s now, right. you know? And um, so, I, you know, to circle back with death stuff, you, 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 we're able to do this stuff. We're able yeah. to do this stuff with people we admire and respect that are still doing it as well. That might be gone tomorrow. Sure. You know, and I think there's, the older you get, you, you have a more of an appreciation for that factor as well. Sure. You know. Absolutely. So. Um, circling back to the Elvis room. So you were the, you've been the keeper of, of the sign. I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, at the old, uh, you had it at the old uh, Rutland Studios, and yep. so that's up at Three S right now, right? It is. Yeah, I had so way back in the day, I you know I was friends with Don Marie and Barb, and I looked at buying the Elvis Room. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason I have the sign was Don Marie and I had met a bunch of times to talk about buying the Elvis Room, and honestly, at the end of it. It just didn't make sense to to look at buying. You know, sure. it wasn't it, part of this. You know, and just to be clear on it, again, playing music, being involved in music stuff, it's never been about the bottom line. Right. Just you, if it is, you might as well get out. Right. You know, when you're talking about a business entity, and I think what Don Marie and Barb brought was what they brought to it, and obviously, twenty years later, it's very clear what what happened with the Elvis room was a special time and place. Right. It was a magic that happened for a few years and then it was gone. Was it a money making? Was it a profitable business? You know, that's a tough one because I, I, I didn't look at it like, like it was sure. at the end of the day, you're not going to just be the keeper of something that is costing you money. You right. know? So I think they worked, they worked hard, they were there and that's where they made their money. Yeah. But, um, but so anyway, Don Marie and I were talking about, you know, possibly buying the Elvis room and that kind of thing. And then she was getting ready. She was packing up and leaving. And I asked her what she was going to do with the sign. So I bought the sign from her at that time. Yeah. And basically with the understanding of like, if anything ever happens in the future, then uh, I want to be able to talk about getting it back from you. Sure. You know, type sure. of thing. So I think, I think it, we both looked at it as like a permanent loan type of thing. Sure, sure. And she knew it was in safe hands. And right. it hung in my barn and my my rehearsal space at my old house for uh, 13 years. And then it's, I was down the studio. And now I'm going to put it up. Actually, I'm going to put it up here. Nice. Um, when I get it back from the Elvis room thing, it's going to be the yep. first thing that goes up in the new new space. So. Right on. Um, yeah, it's been a good reminder. And a lot of people love the fact they've walked into the rehearsal space and been like you know yeah yeah taking pictures with it or whatever and uh it's been in safekeeping you know i think domery knew that and sure knew it was going to be be that be that so yeah uh yeah slice of slice of local history yeah you know so um yeah it's a it's a great celebration I'm glad we're all doing it, but it's also there was a tinge of melancholy to it, you know. Absolutely. Met all of Don Marie's sisters; they were all at the opening, yeah. And uh, the family were up, and they were very. One of her sisters, in particular, was very. Uh, she, I, I think, she was bl- equally blown away and sad because you know. The, and Barb said the same thing when I talked to Barbara. Like the one person that should be here, yeah taking this all in and it was because of her that all these conversations started in the first place right. was the person that wasn't there. Sure. You know, so it was a little bit of melancholy to it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But, you know, Are, uh, have you and the other guys with Murgatroyd talked about any, anything down the road past these shows? You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. We 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 did. We we mentioned. Uh, we just talked about if 
schedules line up and sure. if they're, you know, if these things go well and everything, will we do anything? And I think the conversation's open. Sure. You know, I think we're already talked about possibly doing another just Murgatroyd show this yep. winter at some point, yep. um, just because we'll be somewhat rehearsed and, and kind of, you know, strike while the iron's hot a little bit. Sure. Recording wise, you know, I think the I, I I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't say there's any kind of conversation about doing another record or anything right. like that. But I feel like it's certainly not a no. Right. You know, I, th- I think it's certainly like if things lined up and the planets aligned and everything, yeah. everybody was in. Um, I've also talked clearly about having those guys playing on my solo record too. Sure. So my thought right away was, well, if we're if we if I have a couple of songs that are Murgatroyd like and I'd I'd kind of lean on Rick a little bit, say Rick, what do, what do you got? You right. know, he I mean Rick's the main songwriter. He right. was the he was the main brains behind the the Merg songs. You right. know, he was the chief songwriter. So he'd have to write to have a Murgatroyd record happen. Sure. You know, sure. and uh, but can you know maybe that's in him. You know, yeah. So yeah. it was one of my favorite songwriters. So yeah. I, I would love I would love to have him say, hey, I got a batch of songs. You know, it'd be that made me happy. Yeah, you yeah, know for sure. I don't think he's been writing that much though. So right. he's he's been playing still, but um, he's been doing more of the cover circuit type right. of thing. So right. I'd love it if he came up with another batch of classic Twombly songs. You know, sure. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of other people. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I so. agree. I think that would be great. But uh, eh, don't rule it out. You yeah. know, you, we're we're all here, and yeah. uh, if Twan's not uh, out, you know, he's he's doing another bike trip coming up where he goes out for months at a time on his bicycle. Yeah. And um, he's been all over the world doing that. And he is going to, where the hell did he tell me he's going this time? I can't, I don't even can't remember, but he's doing a, I think in the spring he's going somewhere for three or four months. So he'll yeah. be going, you know, he does, yeah. those, he does those things and uh, good for him. Yeah. For being able to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, his I'm girlfriend envious. Adrian's told me, yeah. told me about some of the trips that they've done together on the bikes. And yeah. Pretty impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. And to be able to, to create and have that space in your life to be able to just go for months at a time. Right. I, my life is completely the opposite of that. You know, I'm tied in with my, uh, with my kids and sports sure. and doing all sure. that, all that stuff, which I, yeah, absolutely zero complaint on. It's just a different, sure. different life, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, it's, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Right. I think you should bring his, bring his notebook with him write some songs while he's out there absolutely you know absolutely so yeah it's funny I um I don't know if I ever told you this uh so the very first like to put the you know the dreaded local label on it the very first local music I ever bought it's 1990 so I'm 14 years old Exeter Music I didn't even know what it was but I just see this cassette with this blue paper with the, the astronaut on it and I was like what is this it's, and Bob down at Extra Music's like it's a local band Bob Check Moore out. yeah Bob Moore my friend Bob yeah and I was just like so that so Heaven's Murgatory was the very first uh, and I didn't know any of you guys at the time so I can't say it was the very first thing that I bought by someone I knew but it was so I was like wait these guys live around here and they made they made a tape because you know it was like at that yeah. point you know it was like Skid Row and Warrant were, you know, and it was yeah. a Sunset Strip thing. So that was that might as well have been there making music on the moon. Yeah, you know. So I was like, wait, there's people in New Hampshire that it's make rock and roll. You know, it's funny, and I got to tell you that cassette, moon, moon Rock, was the cassette. That was the very first piece of recorded music I ever played on. Yeah. So we did it, and I'm very, uh, I got a, I got a, a big place in my heart for that because for several different reasons, but. That was when Murgatroyd started. So I was, I had met Rick in 86. Mm-hmm. So the whole story was I met Rick. I was walking through Market Square, yep. Portsmouth, as a kid. And uh, this band was playing in front of the North Church. Like, and caught my ear immediately. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? They sounded like the jam to me. Yeah. And I love the jam. I love, you know, my... My sweet spot music wise is that late seventies. It's not only like the classics with the Kinks and the Who and the Beatles right. and the Stones, like that stuff from the 
the sixties British stuff, but the, the late seventies British thing is my is my is my bag, you know. It's right. it's Costello, Joe Jackson, Buzzcocks, all that stuff, you know, and the jam. And I was walking through I'm like, who the hell are these guys? Trio sounded just like the jam to me. And it ended up being Rick's Bandit figures. And they were on uh, Prospective Records in Minneapolis at the time. They had a they had a deal going. They were they were doing it, and they were yeah. one of the handful of bands in the area at the time. This is a long time ago at this point, you know. Right. So I went into Rock Bottom Records after their set, and uh, Kevin was a friend of mine, Kevin Geyer, who owned Rock Bottom, and I bought more rec- I bought more music through Rock Bottom Records than mm-hmm. anywhere in my life. Yeah. You know, I, it was it was weekly. I was in there talking with Coletta and and Geyer and all those guys. Yeah. Um, Rick Orkit from Scissor Fight Drums. He was he was a kid working in that store back in the day. Like right. that's where I met Rick. So I went in and I said, Kevin, who's this band that's playing in the North Church? I think they they had a banner up. It was it figures, a spray painted like the Jam. Right. I mean, they were the they were they were a rip off of the Jam basically right. to me, you know. And Rick was a huge Jam fan, so spray painted it figures. I said, who's this? And Kevin was managing him at the time. Yeah, uh, just a coincidence. Coincidence. So. He gave me their demo tape and a couple things, a vinyl single, and gave me some information on them and stuff. And I became, I became a big fan of what they were doing. I went to shows and that kind of thing and just loved them. They were great. Um, and then started booking shows for them. Uh, I was at Plymouth State at the time. Yeah. And some college and started booking shows and working with them. And then Rick was like, hey, you should, you know, why don't you manage us? You know, so. And then... Did that, booked shows, that kind of thing. It was just way into it. And then they, uh, you know, the end of that band happened. And Rick said, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you stop playing bass? Right. And uh, so I started playing bass with Rick. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I didn't know anything about it, you know. And, uh, but like Rick will tell you, he liked, he liked my business acumen. You know, he liked my, right. he liked my, the attitude about the whole right. thing. He knew I was like, you know. Ready to ready to conquer the world at that point, right? And uh, so we formed Heaven's Merch right out of that, yeah. and that's where we started. That's where I started playing, and that's where. So that demo tape we did, we did it at Ralph Napolitano, Ralph owns Ralph's House of Tone, right? <clears throat> at the time, Ralph and his wife Renee owned a, a house in Summersworth that had he had a studio going on his top floor. I think it was three. It might have been three or four floors. It was yeah. way up attic space. And we did that demo tape with Ralph up in the up in his attic space, and we, I, at home had to, ran through like two or three dual cassette decks, yeah, duping those, right, labeling them, packing them, yeah. Uh, my former wife Stacy, who we're still awesome friends with, she did the the great artwork, the Moon Man with the, holding the Rickenbacker on the front, right. which was incredible, yeah. So. We, you know, and I and I deliver them next to their music, and we sold so many at Music Smith and New New uh, the Newington Mall, the old mall, right? Because they put them right on the. It was again, it was like extra music. They put them right on there, uh, right next to the cash register. Nice. And uh, we sold a ton of those cassettes, but you know, talk about the process. Now, you know, you uh, you can post things online, like we did. Actually, they have some Trade catalog. Thanks to Lisa Corman, has been posted and is online yeah. as of this week. The yeah. whole catalog is, you know, the whole catalog is global right away. Where you think back to making cassettes and labeling them, sure. putting them in, it's like doing artwork, right? Yeah. And delivering to the stores and getting paid and going to pick up a check and bringing more in, right? And just that small time thing. But yeah. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Sure. We sold a ton of cassettes. Yeah. So I love the fact that that was the first uh, thing you knew about local yeah. music or whatever, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's a, and that was an unknown to me. Yeah. You know? But we did, yeah, I mean, and those songs were, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good energy behind them. Playing-wise, Rick's great, but I was, you know, I look back and kind of, some of it's cringeworthy, sure. you know? But that's where you start, right? Well, I mean, I do the same thing when I hear, you know, recordings of my band from the, the 90s. I'm just like, oh, God, but, you yeah. know. It's time and place. It's yeah. Time and place, and it's you know it's like looking through your high school yearbook. You know, it might embarrass you now, but it's until you are. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. And then it's funny. Last the other night we were rehearsed for the first time, 
we're playing through and I was like, I love that song. It's a great song. It was a song, uh, Hand of the Palindrome that I hadn't played, hadn't played in years, hadn't even listened to. We get into it. I'm like, man, this song. some of the songs kind of rise up a little bit, like just great, well-crafted uh, pop song. You know, yeah. Rick, Rick wrote it. And, uh, and we talk about songs that we love that, you know, we go back and play and they're great. And, and I think Tim Terrio said, yeah, what songs, you know, don't you like? Or Rick said, what, what don't you like? I'm like, my songs. <laughs> I don't like, you know, I, I, you know, and Rick's like, really? You know, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's early on and right. kind of just whatever, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have regrets about putting it out there, but right. just like, ah, it's better now, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. Where you're a guy who's been creating and kept at it for, you know, the last, you know, two and a half decades. So yeah. 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 Stuff that you're doing now. You better is be getting better. Yeah, better exactly. Be getting better. exactly. Exactly. Well, it's, you always want, you know, I guess you, somehow you want to feel valid. You want to be validated for what you're working on. So you're always trying to, you know, I always think when I'm in the studio working on something, that's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you be? Right. If you're not feeling that way, then why are you doing it? Right. You know, like you, whether it's your, whether it's your best stuff or not, you should feel like you're trying to put out your best stuff, you Absolutely. know, and, and growing as a, growing as a player or a musician or writer or whatever it is, yeah. you know? So, it's, you know, that cassette represents a lot to me, yeah. you know, on a lot of levels. Like, yeah. a, like it, you know, like I said, it wasn't great, but there was a spirit behind it that was great. Right. And as far as a jumping on point in a, in a, in a, in a starting point, that was, that was where Merg started, you know? Right. That's where I started as a musician. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's uh, got a lot of big space in my, in my heart, you know? Right on. Big time. Right on. It's funny. It's funny that you had that experience. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, circling back to, you had mentioned the Portsmouth Halloween, Halloween Parade uh, earlier. So you were the, what's the official title? Grand Marshal. Grand Marshal. So yeah. you pass the, you're passing the baton uh, to, yeah. to Nate. Nate, uh, Nate's going to be awesome. He's, yeah. he's nuts that way. So yeah. like, in a beautiful way, like he's all about it. Yeah. So, He'll be, it's the 25th anniversary, and uh, yeah, you know, going back to a year ago when they approached me about being being the Grand Marshal, like, again, like, first of all, there's, there's two rules to the Halloween parade, Trevor mm-hmm. Bartlett will tell you. One is you don't ask to be the Grand Marshal, right. never ask. And two, if you're asked to be the Grand Marshal, don't you don't say, say no. no, right? Right. So those are the two rules. Right. And uh so they asked me to be, and I, you know, I felt incredibly grateful that I was asked. I love the Halloween parade. Sure. It's just, I love that it's a grassroots effort, that it's not city sanctioned. It's all, and you know, 10,000 people will show up. Right. And people ready to party in the streets and have fun. And that spirit and that grassroots, you know, ground up level type of attitude and and work on it. There's a lot of work that's involved with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. People, you know, the floats and these things, the, you know, thriller dance thing's been going on for years. Like, right. different people have been involved, but there's a lot of work that goes involved. It's involved. So you're asked to do it. I'm like, this is this is great, you yeah. know? And then, uh, so you're, you know, you get the sash for the year, and we took some funny pictures along the way with it. And, uh, and this year, so the Clash thing, did did the show when we passed the baton to mm-hmm. Nate and yeah. Nate's the Nate's the next the next one and he's he'll be outstanding you know yeah I'm he's try- all about it I've been trying to get Nate on this for a while too so I'm just gonna, I'm I'm going to use that as fodder and be like yeah. this is the perfect time even absolutely if, the, if not for you do it for the parade and so. he's talk about talk about one of the funniest people you oh, ever yeah. hear I mean this will be a laugh a minute if he's on this you know absolutely I went to his um. He does this. This I don't know when it is. It's next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Halloween parade, the horror trivia night. Right. And I went last year for the first time. I went to all the events last year because it was the Grand Marshal. I wanted to make sure I was at everything. Right. Just to see everything, and I had a blast. And, and I'm gonna do. I'm doing. Try to do the same thing this year, just because they were so much fun, you know. Yeah. But he did this. Um, 
this trivia night thing uh, that I just I'm not good with horror trivia at all. Yeah, not I'm not well versed in it. I love it, but I'm not well versed in it. Sure. So I just went for the fun of it, and I couldn't have been more entertained. Yeah, they were hilarious. It was really funny. He's a funny guy, and uh, kind of a fearless guy yeah. too. So he'll be perfect for it. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. Right on. So. Well, cool. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, thank you, you know, Scott. It's a great excuse just to hang out. Pleasure, for, absolutely. For an hour. Let's get awesome, a coffee. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Thanks, pal. Yeah. Awesome.